if you please take your Bible and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 17 today and verses 24 through 27. And uh, today is the last day in our Miracles and Controversy series. Uh, we started uh, quite a while back and we've been looking at a series of miracles and controversies uh, found in the Gospel of Matthew chapters 14 through 17. And uh, today we uh, come to our last passage in uh, Matthew 14 through 17, our last message in the series. And appropriately enough, we have both a miracle and a controversy uh, in our closing passage today. The miracle has to do with a fish with a coin in its mouth. Okay, we'll get to that in the message. And the controversy has to do with something called the temple tax. Does Jesus have to pay the temple tax? Should Jesus pay the temple tax? Must he pay the tax? And if he doesn't have to pay the tax, then why does he? And then, of course, what does all of that mean for us? So in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. But, so that we may not offend them, Go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we study these verses today, as we uh, look into this uh, snippet from the life of Christ, uh, I pray that you would uh, teach us Uh, what these verses mean to us today, and that we would give you great praise and glory in return. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. How would you like to be tax-exempt for life? Does that sound pretty good? Tax-exempt for life. You know, churches and other nonprofits are tax-exempt, What if you were tax-exempt? Think about it. What if you didn't have to pay any taxes at all? Okay, that that meant every time you go shopping, okay, uh, they recognize you and say, you know what? We're just going to take the tax off this receipt for you. You don't have to pay any taxes. Every time you go to pump gas, you've got a special card, you swipe that through there, and they take the taxes off. You would be Shocked, horrified to know how much of taxes uh, that per gallon price is on that pump. Or how about every year around April, the IRS sends you a special notice that says, don't worry about it, you don't have to pay any taxes this year. You're exempt. Does that sound pretty good? Sign me up for that deal, right? We all would like that. We don't like taxes a whole lot, do we, right? When someone knocks on your door and says, hello, I'm from the IRS, that's usually not a good sign, is it? 
right? We say, you could just keep on walking. Oh, my neighbor's next door. I'm sure they'd be glad to see you. Well, our passage today has to do with taxes and exemptions. It has to do with who pays, who has to pay, who doesn't. I find it interesting that out of all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, this particular story is found only here, only in the Gospel of Matthew. You know who Matthew was? What was his job when God called him? He was a tax collector, right? So very interesting that we find this story in Matthew. In today's passage, Jesus and Peter discuss taxes, and they discuss what does it mean to be tax-exempt in the kingdom of God. Okay, never mind being tax-exempt for life now. How would you like to be tax-exempt for eternal life, okay? Now we're talking. Well, let's find out. There is an outline in your worship guide this morning. I'd encourage you to take that out and to follow along, maybe jot down some notes as we go. But our story begins here in Matthew 17 when the tax collector comes calling. And when the tax collector comes calling, what do you do? Well, usually you just pay your tax, right? Well, let's see what happens when the tax collector comes calling for Jesus. Look at verses 24 and 25 with me now. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. So Jesus and his disciples arrive in Capernaum. You may remember Capernaum had been the center uh, for Jesus' ministry during these ministry years. Well, Capernaum was also one of the centers for collecting taxes. So when Jesus and his disciples show up, guess who else shows up? The tax collectors right there, right on time. They come up to Peter and they ask him if Jesus pays the temple tax. Let's talk about this tax for a moment. This was not the civil tax uh, that Rome collected from its subjects each year for the government, okay? Not a civil tax. This was a religious tax, okay? This was a religious tax that the Jews paid each year for the upkeep of the temple. Every Jewish male between the ages of 20 and 50 was supposed to pay this tax. And these adult Jewish males, they represented the entire community in presenting this tax before the Lord. Now, we first learn about this tax back in the book of Exodus. It's uh, shortly after they've come out of Egypt, and God instructs Moses to take a census of Israel in the wilderness, and, and the males, age 20 through 50, they come and they pay this tax. And then in the book of Nehemiah, uh, we learn that it eventually became an annual tax, not just census, but an annual tax. And there's two things in particular uh, that you need to know about this tax, the amount of the tax and the purpose for the tax. First of all, the amount. Unlike most taxes, okay, unlike most taxes, when it came to the temple tax, everyone paid the same amount, same amount. The amount of the tax, you knew it right, right up front, half a shekel. In Jesus' day, that worked out to two drachmas. A drachma was about a workman's average daily wage. So the tax was roughly equal, if you were a workman, to two days' wages. That was the tax. This was the ultimate flat tax, right? You know, in our day, a flat tax means everyone pays the same percentage. 
or the same rate of tax. But with the temple tax, talk about flat, everyone pays the exact same amount. Didn't matter how rich you were, didn't matter how poor you were, everyone paid exactly one half a shekel, which came out to two drachmas, uh, which is what it's called in our text today, sometimes called the two drachma tax. Why? Everyone paid the same amount. So that's the amount of the tax. And then you should know the purpose for the tax, because the purpose and the amount go together. Now, the monetary purpose for the tax, we've already mentioned this, was to support the upkeep and ministry of the temple. Okay, that's what the money went towards. But there was a spiritual purpose for this tax as well. The Bible tells us that this was a ransom tax. A ransom tax. It represented an offering making atonement for your life. And this, by the way, is why everyone paid the same amount. The rich were not to pay more. The poor were not to pay less. Why? Because each person's life is worth the same. One person's life is not more valuable than another's. And so this temple tax, it was a a memorial before the Lord. It was a reminder for the Jewish people that they owed God their very lives. And that they needed to make an atonement for their sins as represented by the sacrificial system of the temple. That's why the money goes to the temple. Uh, The temple is a symbol of the atonement for sin. Now, in the context of the Gospel of Matthew, right before we get this, do you know what happens right before this? Jesus has just shared with his disciples once again, second time now, about his suffering in death that is coming up in Jerusalem. And so it is very appropriate that Matthew shares this story about the temple tax right now. Why? Because Jesus will suffer and die on the cross to make atonement. This is an atonement tax to make atonement for our sins in fulfillment of what? The temple sacrifices which this tax goes to pay for. So the tax collectors come calling and they ask Peter, they say, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? You notice how they phrase it. They don't say, does he pay it? They go, doesn't he? Implies that they're thinking maybe Jesus doesn't pay the tax. But Peter answers, yeah, he, he does. And yeah, he did because, you know, Jesus observed the law completely. When Jesus came uh, to live among us, he observed the law completely in order to be obedient to God the Father and also to fulfill the law for us. So yes, Jesus paid the temple tax along with everyone else. This also affirms a very important biblical principle for us. It's one of our applications of our message today. And it's simply this. The Bible tells us that you should give everyone what you owe him. Give everyone what you owe him. Some of you are going, oops, I owe owe that guy over there. Okay, Give everyone what you owe him, right? It's a principle we find out find throughout all of the scriptures, probably the most, the the clearest expression of it we find is in the New Testament in the book of Romans, uh, where it states simply this, Romans 13, 7, actually it says it word for word, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And this is important for us to, to understand because as a Christian, you have a dual citizenship. 
And yes, you are a citizen of heaven, but guess what? You still need to pay your taxes here on earth, right? The Bible says if you owe something, pay it. Whatever you might owe, whether taxes, revenue, honor, or respect, the Bible says give everyone what you owe him. Of course, we hate paying our taxes, and so we always want to know. We're always looking, are there any loopholes, right? Are there any legal tax loopholes? Is there there any way I can legitimately get out of paying a certain tax or or paying so much taxes? And you know what? Jesus says, yeah, there actually is a loophole. There is a huge tax loophole for you this morning. Are you ready? All you have to do is be the son of a king and you're tax exempt. Ah, There's your loophole, right? If you're the son of the king, you have an automatic exemption because the sons are exempt. Let's go back to Matthew 17 now, verses 25 and 26. And here Jesus tells a mini parable, okay, about taxes, a king, and his sons. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? Well, from others, Peter answered then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to him. Notice Peter comes into the house. Jesus speaks first. You're going, well, how did Jesus know what Peter was talking about? Well, because Jesus is Jesus. He often not only knew what people were talking about, he knew what people were thinking, right? Yeah, Jesus knew. It's a good reminder to us that God knows everything that's going on in your life and that God knows your needs even before you ask him. So Jesus asked Peter, he says, what do you think? The kings of the earth, who do they collect their taxes from? Their sons or from the others? Peter says, from the others. Notice Peter doesn't have a whole lot to say in this passage. Unusual for Peter. Peter's usually running his mouth, right? He's just stuck giving these little two or three word answers uh, to the questions of other people. But you know, at least he gets the answers right. Because he's right. Kings don't pay taxes. They collect taxes. They don't pay them. They collect them from others. And you know, this is especially true when it comes to the king of the universe. Does God have to pay taxes? Of course not. God doesn't pay taxes because God already owns it all. We read in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It all belongs to God. We all belong to God. God says this to Job in Job chapter 41, verse 11. God says, who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. God doesn't owe us. We owe him. Kings don't pay taxes. They collect them from others. And so Peter answers Jesus correctly. Who pays the taxes, the king's sons or others? Peter says, others. And then Jesus draws the proper conclusion. He says, then the king's sons are exempt. The king doesn't tax the members of his own royal family. The taxes help to support the royal family. Wouldn't make any sense for the royal family to pay the tax. The sons are exempt. Let's talk about the king now. Who's the king in this context. Who's the king in this scenario? We're talking about the temple, right? 
So who's the king of the temple? Well, obviously, God is. Well, then who's the son? Well, Jesus is, right? Do you remember what Jesus uh, said when he was a boy? As a boy, when his parents came looking for him and they finally found him where? In the temple. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Even at age 12, Jesus knew that the temple belonged to God the Father, and he also knew that God was his Father and that he was God's Son. So Jesus is the Son of God, therefore, he is exempt. As the Son of God, he is under no obligation to pay this temple tax. Jesus Jesus doesn't owe anyone anything. We all owe him. I mean, think of it. Does Jesus need to pay a ransom tax for himself to God? Of course not. But notice that Jesus doesn't just talk about himself here. He doesn't say the son is exempt, singular. No, what does he say? He says the sons are exempt, plural. And that's because when we become sons of God, we also become exempt. We read this in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. Paul writes, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, If we are children, Paul says, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So here's the bottom line, okay? We all owe God a ransom tax, okay? We all owe God payment for our sins. But when you become a son of the king, you also become exempt. You share in Jesus's exemption with him. So yeah, there is one giant tax loophole when it comes to what you owe God for your sins. The sons are exempt. So how do you get this exemption, right? How do you apply for tax-exempt status in the kingdom of God? Well, How do you become a son of God who no longer has to pay the price for your sins? Let's let's keep reading. Because now we come to the strangest part of the story. This whole thing about the fish with a coin in its mouth. So back in Matthew 17, look at verse 27 with me now. Where Jesus tells Peter. He says, but so that we may not offend them. He just said, hey, we're exempt. But so that we may not offend them. Go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch. Open its mouth. You'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. And there's two important lessons I want us to understand from this final verse of the chapter. They're both in your outline. Number one, don't cause any unnecessary offense. That's one we're going to look at. Number two, receive God's gracious provision Christ. Let's look at each of these in turn. First, don't cause any unnecessary offense. You know, since Jesus is exempt, you might think he would tell Peter, Peter, you go right back and tell those tax collectors, I'm not paying. I'm the son of the king. I don't have to pay. 
You know, after all, if the tax collectors came knocking on the palace door and the king's sons answered and they said, we want you to pay the tax, they'd send them packing. They'd say, we don't have to pay a tax. We're the king's sons. But what does Jesus do? Instead, he says this. He says, Peter, so that we may not offend them. So that we may not offend them. Jesus is under no obligation to pay, but rather than cause any unnecessary offense, he goes ahead and he pays the tax anyways. And this is another biblical principle that we are meant to follow, another application from our text this morning. As Christians, we also should not cause any unnecessary offense. Now, sometimes if you're sharing the gospel with someone, uh, they get offended. They shouldn't. I mean, it's good news. It's wonderful news, but sometimes people get offended. We're, we're not talking about that. That is a necessary offense, but we should not cause any unnecessary offense. We read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Peter writes, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers Fear God, honor the king. So yes, once again, as as Christians, our true citizenship is in heaven. But we should live as good citizens on earth so that we do not damage our witness for Christ. That's our first lesson from this verse. The Bible says, don't cause any unnecessary Offense. And then the second one is this simply receive God's gracious provision for you through Christ. And this is when we, we finally come to the miracle in our passage. It's, it's an odd one, isn't it? Jesus tells Peter, says, Go to the lake, throw out your line, catch a fish, open its mouth. You find a coin in there, four drachmas worth, take it, pay our taxes, right? This is the only place in the New Testament where we actually read of a fish being caught with a hook and line. I mean, that's the way I go fishing. All the other times in the New Testament, they're fishing with nets. But hook and line. And this is what we would call a miracle of nature. We've seen these before in the Gospel of Matthew. Miracles of nature, calming the storm in the sea, multiplying uh, the fish and the bread. But this one is really unique, isn't it? And I want you to think for a moment about everything that had to happen for this miracle to take place. First of all, someone's got to drop a coin in the water, okay? You've got to get a coin in the water. Then a fish is going to have to go and grab that coin in, uh, in its mouth, but somehow not swallow it, and then just swim around holding the coin in its mouth, right? And then it's going to need to go swimming wherever Peter's fishing. It's going to have to go swimming near Peter. Peter casts out his line. It's going to have to beat all the other fish to the hook, right? It's got to get there first. This is an amazing miracle. You know, God works in mysterious ways, and it's a reminder to us once again, God can provide for your needs in any way that he wants. So Jesus pays the tax, but you know what? He doesn't do it out of his own pocket, right? He doesn't do it out of his own pocket. He uses this fish. It's important for you to know that Jesus did not do this miracle for his own benefit. He wasn't doing this for his own benefit. Rather, he was demonstrating his freedom 
as God's son and also our freedom as adopted sons of God. Because you're going to notice, Peter doesn't pay the tax out of his pocket either. The coin in the fish's mouth is enough to pay both of their taxes. Peter receives God's gracious provision, and so Peter also is exempted from paying the temple tax. It is significant that there is one coin in the fish's mouth, one four drachma coin instead of two two drachma coins. Why is that? Because Peter's payment is united with Jesus' payment, and the two are paid together. What does the Bible say? When you trust in Christ, you are united with Christ in His death. You are united with Christ in His resurrection. There's also an irony at play here because, let's face it, Jesus is the only person who ever lived who did not need to pay a ransom tax, right? There's no one else. And here he not only pays his tax, but he pays Peter's as well. And once again, we all owe God. We all owe God payment for our sins. What do we owe? Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. That's the payment, folks. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And how did Jesus make payment for our sins? How did he pay the ransom tax for us? By giving his own life as the ransom. So we read Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so just as Jesus paid the full tax for him and Peter, so Jesus paid the full price for you and me for our sins at the cross. Just as that four drachma coin covered both him and Peter, so his payment at the cross covers us. How do you become tax exempt in the kingdom of God? Jesus pays the tax for you. And you just need to receive God's gracious provision for you through Christ. I love this little passage. It's only four verses long, but there's so much truth packed into here, isn't it? We see Jesus' knowledge of other people's conversations. Jesus knows everything that's going on. We see, once again, his clear understanding that he is the Son of God. We see Jesus' consideration and respect for others as he chooses not to cause unnecessary offense. We see Jesus' power and authority over nature uh, in his miracle with the fish. And then we see Jesus' gracious provision in paying what other people owe. The whole passage reminds me of a song. And the words go like this. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. We all owe God that payment for our sins, but when you put your faith in Christ, you are exempted. You are adopted into God's family And the king's sons are exempt. You are free in Christ. 
But don't use your freedom to avoid responsibilities or to unnecessarily offend other people. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. But most of all, know that in Christ, when it comes to payment for your sins, you are tax-exempt for all of eternity. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Thank you for having Matthew, the tax collector, uh, include it for us in his gospel. Thank you for what you did for Peter that day, although that really wasn't that big a deal for Peter, I imagine. Two days' wages. I'm, I'm sure he was appreciative. But Lord Jesus, what you have done for us is staggering. You've paid the price for all of our sins for all of eternity. You've allowed us to be adopted into your family so that we are exempt from the punishment for sin, the payment for sin. You've paid the full price. We are united with you. Just as Peter's tax was united with Jesus in that one coin, we are united with you in your death and in your resurrection. And so the assurance of our salvation is full and sweet and complete. And we give you all the praise and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.